love sponges. We soak that love up, Lord, and bring us into a place of overflow. So that love that you've given to us, Lord, I just thank you that it cascades out into our families, Lord God, our spouses, our children, our friends, and uh, Lord, we just thank you that your love just rolls back the Red Sea of fear that would try to hold back everybody, Lord, in their personal lives and hold back this world. I thank you, Father, that we are fearless and made perfect in that love, and Lord, we receive it, we rejoice in it, and we thank you for it, in Jesus' name, so be it, amen. Amen. Praise God. Can I get just a touch more on this mic, pretty please? Hallelujah. You know, one of the, the things about it is, is we were all, we were created uh, to be loved. And um, I mean, that's what we're created for. You know, God is love and we were created to be loved. And, it, and it's such, I think probably one of the greatest elements of human tragedy is, is thinking that you're embracing a real love that's not a real love. And uh, many of us, we, we've been hurt in the name of love and in the concept of love, um, but, but because our heart hungers for love. But we were created to be loved. And really, the, the only place that you're really going to experience a perfect and unconditional love is through God. Uh, you know, people are wonderful, and thank God for people, but how many of you know people are not perfect? Amen. And we are some of those people, amen? <laughs> We're not perfect either. And uh, sometimes, you know, the love of God is genuinely flowing through us, and then sometimes it's not, and we're human. Uh, we have this treasure in earth and vessels, but uh, we have a God that, who loves us unconditionally and without fail, amen? And uh, He wants us to experience that love, and He wants us to experience that love all, all the time, amen? It is, uh, it is the element that never fails, um, it, it's what causes us to be more than overcomers in this life. It's what causes us to be more than conquerors. And um, it's such an important aspect of our lives. The best version of who you are um, is when you are actively receiving the love of God. Receiving it. And if you think that you can disqualify yourself from His love, then really you're, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure because uh, how many know sometimes your conduct is good and sometimes your conduct is bad, right? Sometimes you do well, sometimes you don't do well. And if you think that you can stop God's flow of love, um, then your enjoyment of that love is going to be spotty. You know? You ever had spotty internet before? This guy. <laughs> I'm off the church internet, praise God. We get three clouds in the sky and our signal's bad, but it's all good. Um, but how many know that regardless of what we're experiencing, how many know God's signal of His love towards us is good? It's good and it's constant, man. And so what we want to do is we want to tune ourselves into that love and stay tuned into that love. Because the enemy, he doesn't want you tuned into the love of God. He wants you to think God's mad at you. He wants you to think that God's disappointed in you. He wants you to think that God is not for you. Because uh, how many know this world's not for you? That's a constant. This world's against you, man. Don't be surprised. You know, don't be... Sometimes I think we, as believers, we get surprised at how bad the world is and how anti-Christ the world is. It's the world, man. The Lord said it was going to be like that. And so don't be surprised and don't feel offended that the world is anti-Christ and anti-God and they're embracing wrong as right and right as wrong. This is how things are down here, you know? It's a short period of time. 
How many know the kingdom of God is coming and then once the kingdom comes, I mean the kingdom is established forever, how many know it's never going to change? We'll never have another battle. Uh, we'll never have another enemy. We'll never have a day where we're not aware of the love of God. But while we're down here, we do have an enemy. And the, the primary thing the enemy is trying to get you convinced of is that God doesn't love you. That's the main thing because if he can convince you of that, then how many know when you don't believe that God loves you, how many know your faith shrinks? How many know fear comes? And then you know what actually happens to you? You become self-conscious. You're thinking about yourself. And, and, and self-consciousness is not the pathway of victory. Uh, wait till my Jeremiah. How many know if I was preaching this morning, the only thing I could think about was myself, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a very effective minister? The best thing I can do is totally forget about me and, and not think about myself at all and let the love of God flow to me and then out of me into whoever I'm speaking to. Because that way, I can, I can kind of disappear for a moment. You know what I'm saying? I can kind of... It, it, and it's the greatest freedom that you've ever known in your life is to be completely free from yourself. Because how many of you ask what love does? How many of you love's not focused on itself? Love is not proud. Love's not boastful. You know, love's not you know, uh, self-glorious. All of these things. Love is focused on somebody else. And how I many you're created to actually focus on something other than yourself? The, the reason people are depressed, the reason people are oppressed and all these things is they are very self-focused. They are the center of their attention. And, and you don't want to be the center of your own attention because when you're the center of your own attention, you're either really proud and you think that you're awesome and you think you're better than everybody else and how many of you that's the greatest delusion on earth, pride. Or... You become so focused on yourself. I'm so bad. I'm so horrible. I'm so awful. I, 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 I. Um, you need, we all need to keep our attention off of ourselves, our attention on the Lord so we can receive love and then allow that love to flow through us into other people's lives so that we're not self-conscious and fear-conscious and afraid and we have those moments of freedom. I mean, you know, freedom is good. I love freedom. And one of the greatest freedoms you can have is being free from yourself and free from worrying about yourself and being concerned about yourself and allowing fear to come in and, and dominate your life. We don't want that. We want to receive this. So what we have to do is we got to stay tuned in to this love. Anybody ever had a radio signal that you were tuned into while you were traveling, but then you lost the signal and you had to retune back in? Well, a good portion of your Christianity is just retuning back into heaven's signal. And heaven's signal is a signal of, I love you. That's what God's always saying to you. I love you. Now, in that love, there'll be times where He corrects you because He loves you. In that love, there'll be times um, where he, you know, He's going to help you. He's going to love you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to direct your path. He's going to direct your course. But every word that comes from God is an I love you word. You understand that? Even, even the greatest correction that you've... And I've experienced some correction from the Lord in my life. I've needed some correction from the Lord. Very strong will. You know, no one, could, no one could correct me or control me. Nobody. The police couldn't. My wife or my girlfriends couldn't. My uh, mom couldn't. Nothing could control me but Jesus. And so I've needed correction, but how many know that that correction is an I love you because I'm willing to upset you in the moment so that I can set you up for victory in your future. That's what love does. You know, it's not this feel good, I just want to make you feel good about everything that you do and everything that, 
You know, how many know there is a false love that the world is presenting that's not a real love? It's not a real love. You know, real love corrects. Real love does correct because if it doesn't correct, then what you're saying is, I'd rather make you feel good for right now and I don't care what happens in your future. Are y'all tracking me here? How many know correcting your child many times is more challenging for you than it is for the child? (laughs) I mean, it is. It's easier to not correct your child. You know, I have a three-year-old that it's, it's easier to not correct him. It's easier to give him what he wants because if I give him what he wants and he stays happy and he doesn't cry. But how many of that's very selfish? I'm, I'm more interested in my comfort than his future. And I've got to be willing to disrupt my comfort and his comfort for his future because I love him. And, and so God's the same way, but everything that comes from God isn't I love you. And the enemy is always trying to convince us that God does not love us and God is not for us. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And unfortunately, he does his best work from the pulpit. He really does, man. And and even in Jesus' time. How many know it wasn't the Roman soldiers who wanted to crucify Jesus? They did not want to. Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus. Pilate's wife certainly didn't want Pilate to kill Jesus. She knew. She was like, I had a dream. You better not kill this guy. Pilate didn't want to kill him, but his pride was on the line. But you know who was demanding that Jesus be crucified? The religious people. The Pharisees and Sadducees, they were the ones. And so, how many know even today, the enemy takes his greatest shots through people trying to represent God? Now, I don't don't lay blame to those individuals because many times what's happening is, is they're deceived and so they're presenting a message of deception. How many know the greatest deceivers are the deceived? They just are. But every word that comes from God's mouth is I love you. And it's not, and that's not just an I love you to, to the church. How many know God's every word that comes from God's mouth towards the entire world is I love you? It's the truth, man. Like I was drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, damning God. I would get drunk and cuss at God. I was anti-Jesus, anti-God. I would try to talk people out of their Christianity. How many know God loved me the whole time? God does not love me more today when I'm behind this pulpit than when I was anti-God. He loved me the same. And how many know He loves everybody on this planet? Yes. It's astonishing, isn't it? But His word to them is the ship is burning. The ship is going down. Here's salvation. His name's Jesus. Receive Him. See, God didn't burn the ship down. We burnt the ship down. It's really important to understand. Everybody wants to blame. Well, how would, a, how would a loving God do with this and do that? No, no, no. God made everything great. We messed it up. And now the outstretched hand of salvation is Jesus Christ. And so God's Word towards every single person on this planet is, I love you. I want to save you. Receive my Son. Amen. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Right? And so every word from God's mouth is a word of love. Now, will everybody receive that salvation? No, they won't. Some people will choose to reject it. But God still loves them. But they chose to reject it. You know, if I'm trying to, if I, you know, if a house is burning down and I'm in there and I'm trying to get people out of the house and I get nine of the ten people out of the house, I mean, I want the tenth person to come out of the house. But it's their decision whether they're going to heed my voice and come out of the house or not. One of the things that God's not going to... He's not going to force you into salvation. He's not going to force you into relationship. He's not going to force you. How many know God gave us free will? 
And that's one of the reasons why everything's so messed up is because we have the ability to choose. But it's also the reason it's so beautiful because now when I worship and I love God back, it's because I want to. It's because, see, you have a song to sing that the angels can't sing. I guarantee they sing better than us. I mean, they're angels. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, they probably do. But they don't have the song of the redeemed. They haven't experienced what we've experienced. They haven't known uh, death and, and struggle and challenge and then received salvation and, and, and allowed ourselves to be saved, right? So when we worship the Lord, we are worshiping the Lord as those that have been rescued. You, you tracking me here? I've had different dogs in my life. I'm not going to get talking about my dog, praise God. My dog's doing a little better. I got my dog a dog bed. I keep wanting him to have a dog bed. I hate for the dog to sleep on, on his cold, in his cage. But everything we put in there, he destroys. Destroys it, right? And so he's like a daggone inmate. He's just got to be in his cage with no, nothing. And, but I want to give him something so bad because I feel bad for him. But when I give it to him, he, he messes it up. Anyway, I gave him a dog bed the other night, and he slept on it. And I think it's finally clicked in his brain. If I destroy this, I sleep on the ground. <laughs> So he slept in his nice, cozy dog bed. Praise God. Amen. Anyway, I'm not even sure why I said that. Talking about dogs. Amen. Uh, I've had dogs that were rescues, and they're different types of dogs. I've had, I've had two dogs in my life that, that knew that, that, that we saved them. And if we hadn't had them, then they wouldn't have made it. How I many know oh, that dog bears a gratitude? Even, even an animal, there's a sense of gratitude like, thank you. You follow me? And so the song that we sing is a song of gratitude that angels can't even sing. Amen? And so why? Because we had the choice to receive God or refuse God. You follow me? But every word that comes from God is an I love you. It's an I love you. It's an I love you. It's an I love you. How many know God is love? So everything's trying to convince you that God doesn't love you, right? And so a big part of what the gospel does is it gets your attention off of you, your good deeds and your bad deeds, and it gets your attention back onto Jesus so that you can tune into the I love you from God. Are y'all tracking me here? Because you need to know that He loves you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday of next week. Can I get an amen? You need it because it's the love of God that's going to lead you and cause you to be an overcomer. Now, the thing about it is, once again, we've got to stay tuned into that. And so, and we talked about this last week, but, and I'll establish this here really quick. How many know God's all-powerful? That's an easy one, right? Will God be all-powerful for you? Yes, He will. That's, that's the weak link. Not the weak link on His end but the weak leak on our end. Because what's actually always on trial is God's faithfulness. Yeah. Yeah. Not yours. Yeah. Yeah. Not mine. See, legalism will bring you into a system of trusting in your own faithfulness. When I'm good enough, God will bless me. When I give enough, when I go to church enough, when I pray enough, when I, 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 I... Now, if I am the product of my own salvation, then I get to boast in everything that happens because I'm the one that did it. That is a very attractive pathway for your pride. But what it will do is it will actually remove you from the Lord as your Savior, and you will start looking at yourself as your Savior, and you'll put on a garment of self-righteousness, 
And you'll think you're awesome, and then you'll think you're better than other people. And then love of God can't flow through self-righteousness. And what ends up happening is, is that is what frustrates grace. Are y'all tracking me here? So we're not going to try to be good enough to control God. We're not going to put ourselves in a position of trying to get God to bless us or make God bless us or any of these things. Because how many know it's not about how awesome we are, it's how awesome He is. So the question is, is will God be faithful to you? And that's where the gospel comes in, right? How many know God was faithful to us when we were against Him? When I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, He was faithful to send people. To, to, Christians would not leave me alone. Could not get away from these people. Praise God. And now, now I am one. <laughs> because God wouldn't quit, right? So the thing that's on trial is the faithfulness of God. So I ask you a question again. Is God all-powerful? Yes. Are you going to have challenges this year that are bigger than you? And who do you need to help you? God. And, you, and we need to be able to trust in His faithfulness and His love to save us and to rescue us. Now, legalism will pull you out of believing and put you into earning. You're going to earn God's blessings. And you don't want that. Because here's the thing, God, won't, God owes you nothing. Not a daggone thing. You understand daggone thing? <laughs> he doesn't owe you anything. He never owe you anything. He owes no one anything. Okay? However, He will give you everything for free through Jesus Christ. All you got to do is believe. So we don't, want to, we don't want to allow the enemy to pull us into legalism and destroy our faith and exalt ourselves. We want to make sure that we stay in the new covenant where it's about Jesus and what Jesus has done. And by faith through grace, we can receive all the promises of God which are yes and amen in Him. Right? Not in us, in Him. Very important. So we have to make sure, and we were, we were, we were, we were tackling this last week about foundations. We have to make sure that our foundation is strong because how many know the foundation of your faith is the cross? The foundation of your faith is Jesus. I think in the modern day church, sometimes we've, we've, we've overcomplicated things. And we want to talk about this, and we want to do this, and we want to talk about that, and we want to, we, you know, we want to fast for 40 days, and we want, to, we, want to, we want to, you know, pray down heaven, and we want to blah, 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 blah. We want to do everything but look at the, the cross. The power is from the cross. The simplicity is the cross. The simplicity is this. Jesus, He saves you. He saves you because He loves you. Don't try to, to, to trek into things that are deeper than Jesus. It might be deeper than Jesus, but it's not good deep. <laughs> Everybody tracking me here? Stick with Jesus, amen? Build your faith on Jesus. Build it on Jesus Christ. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Very simple, Jesus. Amen? And so, uh, let's turn to the book of Daniel, please. Daniel chapter 9. And... I want to continue talking about this and talking about the cross because we need to be able to tune in to the proper frequency of God's voice. Amen? You know, I have a little girl that's going to be born this week. Amen? And uh, I'm finally going to get to look into the eyes of my daughter this week. Next Sunday, I will have looked into the eyes of my daughter. Amen? I'm excited. And, I mean, you know, she probably already knows my voice because I am loud. 
<laughs> I am. I'm a loud person. That's just the way God made me. I'm loud. Um, but she probably already knows my voice, right? And, and so it would be wonderful if in terms of God's voice, she knows my voice because she can recognize the tone of my voice. My, my three-year-old knows my voice. My wife knows my voice. My 15-year-old knows me. They know my voice. They can hear me talk in a department store, and they would know that it's me talking. The challenge is, is you've not yet met the Lord face to face where you can hear the tone of His voice. So you've got to get the, you've got to get the tone of God's voice from proper doctrine, proper teaching, rightly dividing the Word so that you know that's God's voice and that's not God's voice. There's a whole lot of voices out there running their mouths. And if that voice is leaving your heart filled with fear, if that voice is leaving your heart filled with fear, if that voice is leaving your heart filled with fear, that is not the voice of your Father. If it's leaving you with fear and hopelessness and despair, that's not the voice of God. How do you know, Jeremiah? Because, you know, even the fear of the, fear of the Lord is not a fear that leaves you desolate and without hope. How many you know the fear of the Lord will cleanse you? It will clean you. It will motivate you. It will separate you and, get, and help you develop a hatred for evil. The fear of the Lord is healthy, but the fear of man and even the fear of this world is not healthy. Amen? And so as we rightly divide the Scriptures, as we tune into the tone quality of our Father's voice, it is a voice of love. When you hear God's voice, it will always lead you a hope. I can't tell you how many times people always, always send videos on Facebook. Always send videos on Facebook. Most of the time, I do not listen to the videos sent on Facebook. Every once in a while, I will click on that thing and listen to it. And if it's immediately all this crazy, like, fear, I'm like, stop, push off of it, not my dad's voice. Y'all tracking me here? I'm gonna, you have a responsibility not to fill your heart with fear. If you fill your heart with fear and offense then that's what's going to come out of you. Amen? How many know we, we don't want to put things in us that are going to rob us of peace? How many know the Gospel is going to lay peace in your heart? Are there going to be challenging times? Yes. Are these challenging times greater than our God? No! Can you get an amen? Amen. How many, how many know we're not running from our giants? We're running towards our giants. The giants are bread for us. Amen? Amen. We win. Amen? When the world, when the world goes to hell in a handbasket, the church flourishes. Amen. And so, so, so don't, don't fill your heart with things that are not your Father's voice. Amen. And so, going back to the foundation, going back to um, determining and hearing your Father's voice, the book of Daniel is a special book. It's a powerful book. And there are prophetic utterances in this book that literally span thousands of years. Um, Daniel was special. Um, you know, uh, the, Bible, the angels told him that he was greatly, greatly loved. Um, he had a unique calling. And um, there are tremendous just prophetic utterances that are placed in here. And, you know, one of, one of those prophetic utterances are the reality that how many know there is a kingdom coming that will not be moved and will not leave? Can I get an amen? How many know there is a kingdom coming where we will not be ruled by people any longer? We will have a king and his name is Jesus. Can I get an amen? And, and in, that, in that prophecy, it reveals all the different kingdoms that are going to come, but then ultimately, 
there comes this kingdom that, that is without end, and we have a king, and his name is Jesus. Amen? But then there's another aspect of this prophetic utterance that's given. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24, and it's a very unusual concept to the Jewish mind, but it's something that we enjoy as believers today. Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24, it says, Seventy weeks are determined for, for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in ever lasting righteousness to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So how many know this is a time when the old covenant was still in operation. The blood of bulls and goats were still being used to cover sin. And Daniel is prophesying of a time when God would make an end of sins. An end of it. Reconciliation for iniquity. How many know that Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago did this? How many know that He is the Lamb of God who took away the sin of the entire world? How many know that forgiveness has been provided for all? Can you get an amen? See, today, the thing that's going to separate someone from God is not the multitude of their sins. How many know there's no one that's any better than anybody else? Right? I mean, nobody's making it without Jesus. The issue is not believing in Jesus. That's the thing that can't be affected. That's the thing. And that's, once again, that's me calling to people that are in a burning house and then refusing to come out. So the issue is not how much sin. How many know Jesus' blood is greater than all sin of all humanity? The issue is unbelief in Christ. That's the issue. But he says here, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, this is what our God has done through Jesus, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. Now, this is kind of the concept that I want to bring towards to you today, is that you have an eternal righteousness. Everybody say eternal. Eternal is something very special, something very powerful, and something that's difficult for us to wrap our heads around. I mean, most of the things that we deal with is weighed with time. Everything you see is weighed with time. Everything. How I many you know, you know the, the Bible starts talking about life on this planet? It says man's life's like a vapor. It's like grass. It's here and it's gone. How I many know the way God sees time is different than the way that man sees time? Right? How I many you know even this life, even the short period of time that you've been on this life, how I many you know that's a drop in the bucket compared to eternity? And here God is placing something heavenly, something godly, something divine, something eternal on the inside of you, and it's Jesus' finished work. It's Jesus making you the righteousness of God in Him. How many of you know this righteousness, you receive it here in this earth in a finite timeline, but how many of you know this righteousness that God's given you is an everlasting righteousness, and it's what's going to keep you on into eternity? How do you get to heaven? You receive God's righteousness. How do you receive God's righteousness? How many of you believe in Jesus? Amen? And so what I want to show you is this is an eternal righteousness. This is an everlasting righteousness. And unfortunately, a good portion of the church, they teach right standing with God like it's temporary. Like it's a band-aid. Like it can just fall off. Like, you, like it can just be released or removed in a moment. How many of you know, if I'm always on the verge of being rejected, I will never develop confidence in God's love for me. 
If I'm always on the verge of being rejected, if I'm always on the verge of being cast out, if I'm, always, if I'm walking on eggshells and I'm walking on pins and needles and I think that God's favor towards me is always weighed in the balances of my good and bad conduct, I will never grow up spiritually. I mean, you know, a child who grows up in an environment like that will be stunted. A child who lives in an environment of one minute you're loved, one minute you're hated, I mean, you know, that child is never going to have confidence in relationships. You tracking me here? And so our God has a better atmosphere for us to grow up in. He's like, you know, I'm not giving you this righteousness that you can break. Because if you can break it, you would. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like me, myself. Like if I could break this thing, I'd break it, you know? But God's like, this righteousness is not based upon you and your conduct and what you have done. This righteousness is based on what my son did on the cross. And my son did an amazing job on the cross. He that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Him. This righteousness can't be broken by, some, by man's hands. Are you tracking me here? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, here's the thing. Could you do enough good deeds to come out of death and into life? Could you make yourself right with God? You shouldn't. You couldn't, could you? If you could make yourself right with God, then there would have been no need for Jesus to come and die for your sins. Are you tracking me here? If we could save ourselves, if there's anything the Old Covenant proved, it's that man couldn't do it. The best under the Old Covenant, King David, uh, how many know David did some, he, man after God's own heart, how many did some awful things? Had somebody killed, committed adultery, numbered the children of Israel when God told him not to, all of these things. We can't do it, but Jesus did it. He did it. And then he gave it to you as a gift. So now on the inside of you, you can't see it, but your nature is made up of eternity. You, how I many you know you have everlasting life? You have eternal life. And it's not the product of your good or bad behavior. It's the product of you have a new nature. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. You're a son and daughter of God. You are made of, of God's righteousness through the blood. This is the power of redemption. Amen? Let's turn to Romans chapter 1, please. And so this everlasting righteousness has been given to you. It is a sure foundation. It, and, and it is a foundation that will stand the test of time. It's a foundation that, that will stand uh, you know, your obedience and your disobedience, your good days and your bad days. I mean, you, know, you, you just don't have a wishy-washy God. Amen? You have a God who's settled and confident, and it is a finished work. It is a completed work, and it's been placed down on the inside of you. Now, as you begin to realize this, and as we begin to understand this, it will help you to tune into hearing the proper voice of God. The true voice of God, which is the I love you. Amen? Once again, I love you is not mean there's an absence of correction. Amen? How many know when, God, when, when the father corrected a prodigal son, he was correcting his identity? He's like, you think you're bad, but you're not. You're my child. You tracking me here? See, the correction that comes from the gospel primarily, you know the reason Christians live in sin and sin dominates their lives? You know why that happens? They've forgotten who they are. 
It's the only reason. If they're really saved. Now, if somebody's not saved, then of course they're going to live in sin. <laughs> of course sin's going to dominate their lives. They have no way out. But when someone is saved and they've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, the reason sin's dominating their lives is they, they either have forgotten who they are or they don't know who they are yet. Are you tracking me here? And so what the gospel does, it always reminds you who you are so that you don't live in that realm because you're better than that. Can I get an amen? You're just better than it. You're just flat out better than that. Amen? How I many know, just because a butterfly, and this is a great analogy, but how I many know a butterfly can land on trash, can lay down in trash, can fall asleep in trash? How I many know, no matter how much time a butterfly spends in trash, it's still not trash. It's a butterfly. Can I get an amen? You can take a gold coin, you can drop it in the mud, you can drop it in poo, you can drop it in something gross. How I many know it's still a gold coin? So, a, a good portion of what the gospel does is it, is, it, is it takes that high pressure water of the Word of God and knocks all that junk off of you that's just not you. And it's like, no, no, no. Awake to righteousness and sin not. Remember who you are. Don't go there. And so you have to know that what's inside of you is an eternal righteousness. It'd be great if God could just, would just open our eyes to really see who we are. How I many of you know going to happen? The Bible says that when we see Him... We, 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 will, we, will, we, will, we will find out who we are. Are you tracking me? How many know there's a twinkling of an eye? There's a moment of time. Amen? And, but while we're in this life, there's the fight of faith. But there is an eternal righteousness that's been placed on the inside of you that's not going to be removed from you. Amen? Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 15, it says, So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God. It's the power of God. Definite article. The power of God is the gospel, is the good news about Jesus Christ. Thank God for prayer. Thank God for fasting. Thank God for church attendance. Thank God for giving. Thank God for evangelism. Thank God for witnessing. Thank God for serving. Thank God for all of these things. But the gospel is the power of God. You need a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Because in that fresh revelation of, Je of who Jesus is, you know what's going to be told to you? Let's look at it. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, for in it, in the gospel, here it is, the righteousness of God is revealed. Today, we're going to be revealing God's righteousness. We're not revealing your righteousness or my righteousness. I mean, we didn't come here to talk about self-righteousness. I didn't come here to, to point out what's wrong with you. I just didn't. I didn't come here to point out what's wrong with me. I mean, we don't have enough time for that. We'd all be here all day. <laughs> but what I have done is we, we're stepping aside and we're going to point out what's awesome about Jesus. We're going to reveal Jesus' righteousness, Jesus' right standing. And then we're going to remind all of ourselves that that same righteousness that Jesus has is inside of you and inside of me. And you and you, and that you us awakening to that reality will give you strong faith to withstand the storm. Will give you strong courage to chase down the giant. Will give you strong courage to trust in the faithfulness of God. Because once again, how many know we know God's all powerful? Will He be all powerful for you? The answer is yes. Why? Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Are you tracking me here? <clears throat> because you are in Christ. 
And Christ is in you. We have so much power on the inside of us. We have so many rights that are on the inside of us. But the enemy is always trying to get our attention off of our righteousness that's been given to us as a gift and, and, and look at the filthy rags of our conduct, good and bad. You will not have strong faith looking at you. No, you won't. You remember the, one that was, the woman that was bent over and, 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 and her, her back was messed up and she was bent over? How many know that, that all she could look at was the ground? All she could look at was her failure? All she could look at was her shortcomings? That's all she could see. But how many know she heard the voice of the Master? And the Master came. And how many know the, the Master healed her, lifted her up, and then she could look into the eyes of the Master? I mean, as long as Peter kept his eyes on Jesus, he could walk on water. <clears throat> I'm telling you what, it's all about looking at Him. How I many know as we behold Him, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory? Amen. We must be reminded of what is on the inside of us, this gift of righteousness. So, the Gospel reveals the righteousness of God. Can I get an amen? The right, and righteousness being right standing. You are as you should be before God. As you should be. But Jeremiah, but Jeremiah, but Jeremiah, but Jeremiah, but Jeremiah. I said this, I did this, I, 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 I. <sighs> no. What did he do? Did he do a good job? Then you have an eternal forever righteousness. That'll change your behavior. It'll cause you to act right. It'll cause you to put your shoulders back and walk in love. It'll, it'll cause you to do the right thing. Because when you believe... Right? When you believe in who you are, you will act as though who you are. I used to be a drug addict. I am not a drug addict anymore. There was a time when I was a drug addict. I identify with a drug addict. I, I look like a drug addict, smell like a drug addict, walk like a drug addict, thought like a drug addict. I got saved. I still look like a drug addict, walk like a drug addict, talk like... I mean, I was still the same dude. But down here, righteousness was in me. I was so unsanctified. You know, I didn't know nothing. But Christ was in me. And as I began to wake up to who I was, one day drugs were like, I don't want that stuff no more. Immorality, I don't want that stuff anymore. Pornography, I don't want that stuff anymore. All that stuff lost its attractiveness to me as I found out who I was. I mean, you know, as, as a child of God, that stuff's not our stuff. Can I get an amen? You can't get free from it trying really hard. Church is not about trying really hard. Church is about looking at Jesus. You see Him, you see Him inside of you, and you transform. And all these old habits and these old stuff, it all starts to fall off of your life, and you, be, you begin to walk in the newness, newness of life that God has given to you. Amen. And, then, and periodically, you make a mistake. Amen. I will never preach to you that you're going to be so transform that you're not going to make a mistake. If I preach that message to you, you'll slip into legalism. And then you'll be white-knuckling the will of your life. And then when you fail, you're going, to be, you're going to feel so bad about yourself. And you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to be focused on you. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to stare at you and you're going to feel condemned. And then I'm going to have to come back and preach the gospel to you and remind you who you are. Are you tracking me? No, 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 no. You're, going to make, you're not going to be perfect and you're going to make mistakes in your behavior and in your thoughts. It's, what, it's a part of earth. 
<laughs> so I, I say all that because I don't want to put you in any type of performance trap where you're going to fail. How many know Jesus is going to rescue you? And He's going to rescue you over and over and over and over and over and over again. Can I get an amen? Now, me making that statement is not giving you a pass to let sin come and chain your hands. How many know the reason that sin doesn't have dominion over you is because of grace? Boy, when you find out that you're forgiven and you find out that God is with you and for you no matter what mistake you make, it will cause you to rise up out of the trash heap and fly. It's the truth, man. Just because you land on some garbage don't mean you're garbage. Can I get an amen? And so that's why it is the power of God unto salvation. And, and Paul said, I'm not ashamed of this message. Why would he be ashamed of this message? Because this message does not boast or glorify any person other than Jesus Christ. Are you tracking me here? I'm not, I'm not here to, to make any... I mean, the itching ear message is legalism. I did this, I did that, I did this, I did that, I did this. I, 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 I'm awesome. Man, you can, scratch that, you can scratch that thing and scratch that thing, but ultimately, it's just, it's, just, it's, just a, it's just a circle, man. Just around the mountain over and over and over and over again. Once you get tired of that and you, get tired, and you don't need to have your will or your pride petted, you know what I'm saying? Like, how I many nobody in here any better than anybody else? We all need Jesus. Amen? And so, there is, so the, the gospel, it's reminding you that your righteousness is not your behavior. Your right standing with God is not your behavior. There's the offense of the cross right there. That's where people would say, oh, he's giving people license to sin. It's just, the, it's just the truth. Your right standing with God is no longer a behavior. It's a person. His name is Jesus. He saves you because He loves you. Can I get an amen? Amen. Praise God. And so, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And so, this is your foundation, man. You have an everlasting eternal, right standing with God that you did not earn and you did not deserve. And all the promises are a product of you understanding that. Amen. See, God wants you to have a boldness in your relationship with Him. God wants you to know that you have rights. God wants that for you. Amen. God wants you to know that you're right with Him. See, how many know, that, how many know Jesus was right with God? Do you think that Jesus is more right with God than you are? He's not. Because His rightness with God was given to you as a gift. Do you see that? Please see that. It's a gift. So, you know how confident Jesus was in His relationship with God in the earth? We should be that confident. Because it's His, it's his righteousness that's given to us as a gift. I mean, Jesus is like, my Father hears me. He was so confident. So confident. And we've been taught this false form of spirituality to think that, oh, I'm so bad. Oh, woe is me. Oh, I'm blah, blah, blah. Man, that's insulting to the blood of Jesus. Come on, man. I know, we're, I know we, we are not, we make mistakes and stuff like that, but like, I mean, oh, the Lord did a good job. And so, man, let's, let's have some confidence in our relationship with God. I'd be horrified if my children felt like they weren't worthy of my love. I'd be horrified if my children thought that they weren't worthy of anything that I had. It would really bother me if, if, if they, oh, I'm not, you know, I just, I'm not worthy, or I can't, or I'm not this, or whatever. No, 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 no. No, I love you. I love you. Amen? 
And, 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 and how many know that if I, if I love my kids that much, how much more does God love you? How much more does your God love you? And He wants you to have everything that Jesus paid to give you. Amen? And so we, we kind of got it. We got to put our shoulders back. And there's a boldness that comes on you when you start to understand this. And listen, it's not a boldness and a confidence that belittles other people. That's what self-righteousness does. Right? Once again, how I many you know self, in, in, in pyramid schemes of self-righteousness, we'll think that one person is greater than another person. How I many know the preacher doesn't have more of a right to God than anybody else? Can I get an amen? Front row don't have more of a right, second row, third row, whatever. No, no, no. We are children of God. We're in the family of God. There's an equality here. One person hasn't been given more right standing with God than somebody else. Can I get an amen? And so this confidence that you've been given, there you are, the righteousness of God, and you have a right. And let's say you meet somebody who does not, who is not saved. How many know because you're right with God, you can now present an effective message of reconciliation to somebody else? Because like, if I don't think I'm right with God, how can I present a message of reconciliation to somebody else? I can't. And the sad thing about it is a good portion of the engine of evangelism in the modern day church is I have to tell people about Jesus so that I can be right with God. Oh, that's not good. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? If I'm telling people about Jesus to try to make sure that I'm right with God, love's not flowing through me. Every person I meet is a notch on my belt towards salvation. So what I end up doing is I'm using people to get God's favor. It's warped, it's twisted, and it's not love. And they know they're being used. <clears throat> and you know that you're... And, you're and, so, and, that's, and, that, and without an understanding of this foundation of an everlasting righteousness, everything we do is not love. It's all dead, stinking works, which is unbelief in the cross. So, you know, if I'm trying to... If I'm trying to give to somebody or take care of somebody to help somebody so that God will love me more, so that God will answer my prayers, how I many of that's all selfish? Ah, oh, amen. I'm sorry I'm so fired up, okay? I'm not mad at anybody, okay? I'm just, I hate this deception, okay? It robs people of a relationship with God. And it's everywhere, okay? Listen, if I know that I'm reconciled to God and I didn't earn it and I didn't deserve it, I mean, it frees my heart up to be loved and then to present a message of reconciliation to somebody else. Hey, man, God loves you. No, He did this. No, no. no, it's not. So you use your confidence to serve people. When you have a God confidence, it doesn't belittle anybody in the room. A pride-based confidence belittles everybody else because it exalts you and brings everybody else low. How I many of the world has a confidence? It's a pride-based confidence. When a, when a prideful, confident person walks in the room, other people feel bad about themselves. Like, I'm just not as good as that person or whatever. But when someone understands this foundation of righteousness and who they are in Christ, their confidence actually lifts everybody else up. Because when you understand that you're right with God, you, you know that you didn't make it happen. And you can't keep it. It's a gift. It's a gift. How I many know when it's a gift, it sets me free to give it out. Freely you have received. Freely give. Makes it a lot more fun too. You know? Um, and so, okay. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 11. Just come off the new covenant. There's a difference. So, you don't have a temporary righteousness. You have an eternal righteousness. You don't have a 
temporary favor from God. You have an eternal favor from God. God's for you. Amen. Very important to understand. Um, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11. It says, Every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. How many of the Old Covenant was all about sin? Tons of sacrifices. Tons of always about sin. Because it never worked. It was a covering. It was not a cleansing. Okay? It was a covering, not a cleansing. So we, in our Christianity, you're not operating in a covering. God didn't sweep your sin under the rug. He removed it. It's gone. You have no sin in your spirit. Your spirit is perfectly righteous. Your spirit is as righteous as Jesus Christ's spirit. He ever lives to make intercession for you. Does that mean he's up there praying all the time? No, he's alive. Because he's alive, how I many know he was dead? And he took the sin of all the entire world on him. But then he rose again from the dead. What does that mean? Sin's been put away. He made an end of sin. He made an end of transgression. And now he's alive. What does that mean? That means all your sin is finished. It's been paid for eternally. Take an amen. How I many know you can still sin in action? You can still sin in thought. But if once you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, your spirit is justified eternally. The Bible says that your spirit has been sealed by the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Sin can't touch your spirit. It can't touch it. It cannot undo the cross. This is your everlasting righteousness that was prophesied in the book of Daniel. This is the eternal righteousness that's been given to you. How many know you're now a new creation in Christ Jesus? How many know you are now in Christ and Christ is now in you? Is there anything wicked in Jesus? Is there anything bad in Jesus? Where are you? means you're awesome. Can I get an amen? Now you might not always act awesome. How many know sometimes we don't act awesome? You know why we don't act awesome? We forgot who we were. We have to go back to the book and look in the mirror and be reminded who we are. See, when you know who you are, your doing will line up. When you forget who you are, that's when your doing gets off. How many know you're, how many know you're not a thief? How many know you're not a liar? How many know you're not a fearful person? How many know you're not an angry person? How many know you're not a lustful person? How many know you're not an adulterer? How many know you're not a fornicator? How many know you're not all of these labels that the enemy would try to put on you? No, you are a child of God. You know, if you're watching this right now and you're not saved, you can't make those same statements. But you can get saved right now, in a moment of time. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then bam, all of those labels, all of those behaviors, they get crucified on the cross and you get an eternal, everlasting righteousness that will not be taken away from you. And then your, your walk on this earth is renewing your mind to what you've already received. Because you've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? You just have to realize, you have to awake to righteousness. And that's why important, that's why we preach the gospel. But under the old, it was always temporary. Everything was temporary. Everything was temporary. Everything was, right? How I many know you can't be confident 
on a temporary faithfulness. How many of you are going to get, you're going to be in a relationship with someone, they'll be like, I will be faithful to you sometimes. I mean, oh, that, that ain't going to fly. You can't, I mean, you can't be confident on that. But yet, so much of the time, you know what type of God, presentation of who God is comes from the pulpit? <clears throat> God will be faithful to you if you give a certain amount. You come to church a certain amount. You pray amount, this certain amount. You do this, you do this, you do this. How I many you know who determines those numbers? Always the middleman. And it's never enough because you need more. Because you'll always be directed to your failure. That's why you need to try harder and do more and be more. How I many you know you don't have a God that's part time faithful? You have a God who's entered into a covenant with you. And he has said to you, I'm going to be faithful to you. Can I get an amen? We don't want a temporary faithfulness. We want an eternal faithfulness. Can I get an amen? Without an eternal faithfulness, how many know you can't be confident in a relationship? Right? And so the old showed that it was temporary. Let's look at it. This is, this is giving the, the two different dispensations. Every priest that stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one, not many, not a couple, not a few, one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down. <laughs> because the work was done. He made one offering for sin. God's not going to make multiple offerings for sin. God did it one time. And one time was enough. 2,000 years ago, there was an eternal payment for the sin of all mankind. Past, present, and future. It is an eternal work. It is an eternal outstretched hand to all of humanity. Just receive my son Jesus. How I many of everybody's sins have been paid for? Everybody. Everybody's sin has been paid for. And here's the thing. Not barely paid for. Jesus Christ is in overpayment. Overpayment. A drop of the blood of Jesus would purge a billion planets of sin. Right? Overpayment. Overpayment. It's an overpayment. See, you need to get an overpayment concept into your mind so that you'll be confident. Let me lay it out to you like this. Let's say I owe Tim 20 bucks, right? I see Tim. How many know when you owe somebody money, it's not fun? When you owe somebody money, how many know that messes up relationship? That messes up fellowship? Oh, Tim, 20, say, let's say I owe Tim 100 bucks. Let's, let's bump it up a little. I owe him 100 bucks, and I see, yeah, he's, he's all right. Amen. Now you're preaching. Come on. Hey, hey now. I owe him 100 bucks, right? I see him out of town. I owe him 100 bucks. How many know, because I have debt on my conscience, I do not feel good about seeing him. Let's say I see him, I avoid him. See him in Walmart, avoid him. I owe him 100 bucks. But then... Somebody, someone, t- sent, then, but then somebody comes and tells me, you, you know, Brian, he came up and uh, he paid that, he paid that hundred bucks that you owe Tim. Oh, really? Yeah, that's awesome. Now, how many know that that 
is going to make me feel good. But let's step over into the overpayment zone. Brian, who is a wealthy man, comes up to Tim and gives Tim a million dollars. All right? To pay for my debt. Right? And so someone tells me, he didn't just pay him, he overpaid him. Because he didn't want any drop of debt on your mind. Now, if I'll believe the messenger, I will have confidence in my relationship with Tim. In fact, next time I see Tim, I'll be like, bro, you need to take me out to lunch. Because you are a million dollars richer as a result of my debt. How I many know if I know that my debt has been overpaid, I'm going to be real confident around Tim. Do you know that your debt has been overpaid? Way more than a million dollars. So, do you think perhaps we should have confidence in God's presence and come boldly to the throne of grace? God wants a bold He wants bold kids. He said, come get what's yours. Oh, I just wonder, I hope we don't get to eternity and find out we weren't bold enough in our relationship with God. And I don't mean that in a sense of regret, but like if God really overpaid our sin, then shouldn't we just chill out a little bit and have some peace and be confident that God is actually for us? It'll change the way you live. If you, can, if you can believe this and get free of condemnation, it'll allow you to tune into that love frequency of the Father's voice. And your whole life will be different. Condemnation, it destroys you. It's a killer. It's death. What are you talking about condemnation? I'm talking about you thinking God's against you. You thinking God's going to punish you. You thinking God's not going to bless you. You thinking that you owe God. I mean, no. Your sin's been overpaid. So you are a free people. Now, when that really hits you, you fall in love. And you actually want to serve. Because you're like, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful. How many know the Bible says that he that is forgiven of much, the same loves much? Here's reality. We've all been forgiven of much. But not all of us are aware of it. You tracking me? Sometimes you know, somewhat moral people struggle with this reality. Really. Because they don't understand how much they've been forgiven. How many know that the moral people and the immoral people, like myself, how many know ain't, ain't none of us going to heaven without Jesus? Because the law is not graded on a curve. It's a composite whole. You broke one, you broke them all. It's about death. Jesus brought us out of death and into life. And so, this is... How many know you're forgiven? It's an overpayment. Realizing that and believing that will cause a well of faith to rise up on the inside of you to believe the promises of God. That's why you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things are added unto you. See, we've been trying to use our faith for healing. We've been trying to use our faith for finances. We've been trying to use our faith for wisdom. We've been trying to use our faith for relationship. We've been trying to use our faith on all these things. Take all your faith and put it on Jesus. All of it. Because all the promises in Him are yes and amen. Seriously, this is, this is like the cheat code. <laughs> this, this is how it works. This is, this is 
It's called the blessing of Abraham. When you get Jesus, you get it all. Can I get an amen? Take all your faith and put it in the fact that you're the righteousness of God and that you're forgiven. And you know what happens when you start to believe you're the righteousness of God? You know what comes on you? Favor. It's astonishing. Favor will surround you as a shield. You know what happens when you feel condemned? The opposite of favor happens. You, 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 you feel like nobody likes you. You feel like you're not good enough. You, 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 you actually repel. It's true. Condemnation will it'll mess up your perception of yourself and of those around you, and you'll feel like you're not good enough. And, and rather than favor surrounding you, uh, disfavor. Truth. Truth. Now, how many know you're highly favored? But how many know if you don't believe it, you're not going to enjoy it? How many know you're the righteousness of God? But if you don't believe it, how many know you're not going to enjoy it? When you know that you're right with God, favor starts to surround you as a shield. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I'm talking about favor. Favor of God. Favor with man. Powerful, wonderful things. Why? Because you're, you're, you're in tune to what the cross did. Are you all tracking me here? It's called the blessing. The blessing of Abraham. Now, it doesn't mean that you know, not everybody's going to like you. How I many know there are people that don't like you because you're a believer? You ever get around somebody that just don't like you? They don't like the Christ in you. Seriously, now I know there are personality conflicts too, but like I've been, I'm, there are people that I've been around, they don't like me because of Jesus in me, and I know it. They just don't like you, and that's okay. To, for them, the aroma of Christ is a stench of death. But it's okay. How I many know those people, they get around you, and they're, they're, they got to watch out, and they might get saved. I'm not even kidding. Like those people, they'll persecute you and persecute you and persecute I've seen it happen in my own life. And the enemy will try to get them to persecute you. And if they don't watch out, they're going to slip up and fall right into salvation. <laughs> That's how it works, man. Your parts to just walk in love and not take it personal when they come against you. Amen. And so, oh, believing that we're right, God. By this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever set down at the right hand of God, from that time, what time? The time that he made you right with God, Waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Listen to me. God has given you something so powerful, it's going to subdue the Lord's enemies. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? I mean, Jesus is sit, sitting down waiting so that the glorious liberty of the children of God would be on display for all of creation. So that this world would see a love that's not of this world. Waiting. Forever sit down from that time, waiting till his enemies made his footstool. There's something about righteousness that will express your God-given authority in a place of prayer. In, a, in, in the words that you speak. How I many you know when you know you're right with God, your words have power? When you know you're right with God. How I many you know the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much? What type of righteousness are we talking about? Are we talking about righteousness that works? No. Clearly, that's not a part of the New Testament. I mean, it's a righteousness which is a faith. So if I know that I'm right with God, the way I speak is going to carry authority. Do you know why God's so powerful? Because He's right. He can't lie. If God woke up tomorrow, if He never slumbers or sleeps, but if tomorrow God says, the grass is purple, I mean, suddenly all grass becomes purple. 
Because the one who is right spoke into existence the reality of his truth. Hope that makes sense. How many of God saw darkness and spoke light? You know why he's so powerful? He's right. Whatever he says is the truth. Do you know that that same rightness you've, has been imparted into you and God wants to get your mouth speaking blessing, lining up with His will? Amen. Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. For by one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. I mean, you know that so this is not a temporary righteousness. This is not a temporary right standing with God. This is not a temporary favor. This is not a temporary faithfulness. It's eternal. You all tracking me here? Will, it, will this change the way you walk? Amen? When you, when you start to understand that God is for you? You know, Jesus on the cross, and we don't have to turn there, but, but John 19 and verse 30, He said, it's finished. That, that, that was an eternal word. It's finished. You know, and we have three words to convey that, but in the Greek, it's actually just one word. Finished. Like it's done. Like the whole thing is done. Even, even what we're experiencing right now. We're operating out of that place of victory. We're operating out of that place of the righteousness of God. Amen. And so it's an eternal righteousness. You know, um, and you don't have to turn to 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. See, your righteousness is a person. Your righteousness is a person. Your righteousness is a person. It's not a behavior. It's not an action. It's not even church attendance. It's not your prayer and fasting and giving and witnessing. Your righteousness is a person. You're right with God for free through Jesus Christ. Now, when you know that you're right with God and you start to awake to righteousness, how many of you it's going to change the way you behave? It's going to change the way you walk. It's going to change the way you live. It's going to change the dynamics of your life. But it's understanding His righteousness that's going to bring that into you and going to bring a powerful sense of oneness with the Father in your life. Amen? Amen. Praise God. That's, we're done. So, I mean, I have more, but we're done. But so, I, I just, I want, I, want to, I want to help us develop a confidence in this so that when the storms of life come, when the challenges come, when the giants come, when all the challenges that are going to be facing us in, the, in this year, that you won't question whether God's for you. That's what I need you to do. I need you to not question whether God's for you. How I many you know there are times when the storm rages and, and, we're, and it doesn't seem like God's for us? How I many you know the disciples were going to the other side and it looked like their ship was sinking? It didn't look like God was for them. But how I many you know the Lord was actually in the boat with them? He was just so confident that they were going to the other side, he was asleep. He's like, I told you he was going to the other side. You know, see, the way, how many of Jesus knew he was right with God? How many of the disciples did not know they were right with God? Their righteousness hung upon his presence in their minds. And that's one of the reasons he had to leave. They're like, Lord, please don't go. He's like, no, 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 I got to leave. Because I'm going to send another when I leave. How many of the Spirit of God is now here 
to convince you or convict you that you're the righteousness of God in Christ. So that when you don't see Him, when you don't feel Him, you know that He's still here and He's still with you and you're still right with God. Can I get an amen? amen. Blessed are those who have not seen but believe. We're those people. Amen? And so in the days ahead, when you're going through those challenges, please understand, God's for you. When you fail, when you failed and when you've fallen, please understand, God is for you. Amen? He's going to be faithful to you. And it's that foundation that's going to help you weather the storm. And it's also that foundation that's going to help you to stay bold and confident when your feelings aren't lining up to what you see. Amen. How many know your feelings are up and down? Amen. I commend you guys for making it to church today. I mean, it is, it is, it's, it's pretty rough out, you know? But your feelings are up and down. Your behavior's up and down. But your Savior, He's not up and down. He's moved in and He's inside of you and He's not leaving. You've been given an eternal righteousness. It's not going to be taken away from you. Put all your confidence in Him. Not in yourself, not in anything else. Just put your confidence in Jesus. Amen? And out of that, there comes this wellspring of faith. Amen? All right. Praise God. Yeah, please go. Go ahead. Let me throw you this mic so that people can hear you online. Fear not! Amen. Good catch. Chase is like, I've seen you throw a football, man. <laughs> okay. He's like, <laughs> just kidding, dude. Hello. Go ahead, man. Um, <laughs> something that um, the Lord has shown me um, that we get hung up on is our experience in the world has taught us, and because of men's fallenness, because of humankind's fallenness, is that when correction comes, our value is put into question. Yeah. When the Lord corrects, our value is never put into question. It's good. What we mean to Him is never put into question. It's good. It's good. So when the Lord correct, the Lord disciplines the ones He loves. Yeah. First of all, we've we that word discipline does not mean to punish. Mm-hmm. It means to teach and correct. It's good. And the Lord, you, when the Lord corrects you, when the Lord teaches you, He'll correct your course. But your value to him will never, ever be put to question. Come on, that's right. You look at every time, every single time in the word of God where the Lord corrected someone, their purpose and their value was never put into question. That's right. It was always a redirection back to to what was good for them and God's purpose for their life. So good. But it never, ever, 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 ever put into question um, that person's value. It's good. And what we have to be, what happens is what we have to be wary of is sometimes we keep circling around the same things because we're afraid to go there or afraid of, afraid to let God go there because we're going to, f- because of the fear of rejection. Yeah, that's right. The fear of rejection is a big thing that keeps a lot of us in bondage to things. Well said. Especially like those that are things that are very shameful and things that we're ashamed of. Yeah. And the key to getting liberation from that is to realize that you're not going to be rejected. That's right. It's good. That it, that I, I give a personal, you know, I've had a, in my past, I've had a struggle with lust and pornography, and I got free of that by not fearing that God was going to reject me. Come on, man. It wasn't until I got uh, I, until I let go of that of that fear. Of that con of that con- condemnation, trying to tell me that 
God is just done with me. I've done this so many times. I've looked at this so many times. I've, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that I'm, I'm too, and what it is, I start identifying by what I've done. That's right. Watch out. And, and this, is, this, is, this is what the world does. This is the judgment mm-hmm. that comes, is that you're identified by what you do. And the reality of the kingdom is, is you're identified by what Jesus has done. It's good. It's good. Period. It's good. And when you can embrace that and let go of your own self-value and your own self-worth, because even in that, when you try to define yourself by how well you've performed, yeah. every single time you will fall into guilt and condemnation. Yep. But if your value is solely based upon Jesus, Jesus bled and died yeah, 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 and yeah. gave his blood to wash you clean of your sin. Yes. It, Christ demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Come on. he died for us. That's good. That is the truth. That is the truth to experiencing true joy and true yes. freedom and true victory over sin. Yes. Because as long as you, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Yeah. As long as you think you are a sinner, you will be a sinner. Yep. But if you believe, he who knew no sin became sin, that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Good. It's good. Get your mind and your heart aligned to that and realize that when Papa, when your father, a good father, a good father uh-huh. never puts his quest, his children's value into question. Well said. The Lord is the good father. Yeah. And when he corrects, it's always these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Yeah. If anything that has the label of God or Jesus on it doesn't produce those three things, it ain't him. It's good. It's and that's good. the litmus test. Yeah. I'll show you the most excellent way is love. Uh-huh. And then what love produces is faith, hope, and love. Yeah, it's good. And notice that's the litmus test. It's good, man. It's good work. That's how to discern because it's very, these things are familiar spirits in our life. We, we, we don't realize that we're paying attention to things and condemnations and little things and little lies in our life that rob us from experiencing the goodness of God in our life. It's good. And it's so important that, it's, it's a process and it's a work. But let the Lord give you that, that filter. If it doesn't produce faith, hope, or love, it ain't Him. It's good, man. It's good work. When you remove the fear of rejection, that's when deliverance happens. Yeah. You know, as long as, you're, as long as that rejection and that fear is hanging over you, it, that, what it is is it's, a, it's condemnation and it'll keep you in bondage uh, to drug addiction, alcoholism, pornography, anger, fear, all of these things. But what, what the gospel does, it, it removes that fear of rejection, and God's like, I'll sit down with you, and I'll, I'll be with you in your mistakes. And I don't, I don't want you to do that because it's not good for you, but I'm not leaving. I'm with you, you know? And when, when you experience a love like that, that's when you, the stage gets set for real deliverance, you know? Just like it, that, you know, that deliverance was brought forth in your life. It won't happen as long as we're afraid and we're fearful of rejection. We're running and hiding. Amen. God wants to remove that. So it's good. Thank you for sharing that, Brian. It's really good. Let's continue worshiping the Lord in our giving, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And, uh, you know, I just want to bring out something here. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6, it says, With this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So let each one gives as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, God wants giving to be a joyful 
experience. He doesn't want it to be out of compulsion or sorrowfully or reluctantly. And that's the difference between giving out of a place of grace and giving out of a place of legalism. And I want to read you that same passage, and I want to read it to you out of Amplify because it just brings out some beautiful things. It says, Let each one give as he is made up in his own mind and purpose in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. A good portion of my giving back in the day was reluctantly, sorrowfully, and under compulsion. I was guilted into it. I was forced into it. I was manipulated into it. And so everything that I gave, it wasn't out of a cheerful heart. Because I felt like I was paying a fine. I felt like I was earning favor. I did not, it wasn't out of a place of God leading me to do it and it being something that I wanted to do. God does not want giving in the church to be this thing where, where people are sorrowful or people are being manipulated or controlled or compelled. I mean, oh, God wants it to be a happy thing. Amen? He wants it to be a happy thing. He wants it to come out of a place of, I want to because I'm thankful. Are y'all tracking me? Do you see how beautiful that is and how ugly the other thing is? It says, for God loves, takes, takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver. Here's the most important thing. Whose heart is in their giving. Let, let, here's the thing. You know what? God does not need anybody's money. Can I get an amen? And how many know that it is God's joy for us to partner with Him in us wanting to be a blessing. Out of a joyful heart, out of a happy heart. Can I get an amen? And here's the thing. You're blessed whether you give or not. Why? Because of Jesus. Can I get an amen? You're blessed. You've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Now, God will lead you to be a giver because He loves you and He, he wants you to, to sow and to give and to be a part of what's going on, but he wants it to, to take place out of a, of a place of I want to, not out of a place of I have to. Are y'all tracking me here? When it's, out, when it's a joyful place, man, it's beautiful, and it's awesome, and it's fun, and it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a joy that's in it. But man, when it's done out of compulsion, and when you're doing it out of fear, and you're doing it out of manipulation, it's ugly. Because what's happening is you're not actually giving. Somebody's taken from you. And it's not the same thing. Y'all tracking me with that? Anyway, with that, if you need to give them out this morning, Tim will get one to you. Praise God. If you guys are watching online and you want to give into the ministry, uh, you can go to gracepointgeorgetown.com and you guys can give that way. Amen. So next Sunday, I will have looked into my daughter's eyes. I am super excited. I can't even convey to you how excited I am. I have been waiting a long time for her to come, so... It's, um, it's going to be really cool, man. 